this is how to be the ideal person. Because Jesus Christ is considered to be the ideal person. We're going to break down each of his characteristics or attributes of what makes him the perfect person. My beautiful and wonderful friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode with Chats with Chaz. This episode, we're going to be talking about chapter six of the Preach My Gospel manual, which, in my opinion, is pretty much the coolest chapter in this entire manual. So I'm really glad that you're choosing to tune in today to listen a little bit about this chapter. This one talks about how to develop Christ-like attributes. This is how to be the ideal person. Because Jesus Christ is considered to be the ideal person. We're going to break down each of his characteristics or attributes of what makes him the perfect person. I think that Jesus Christ is a perfect example of who to be because I have this idea in my head of what perfection looks like. And I've always used Jesus Christ as that ideal man. And the more I've studied about his Christ-like attributes in the scriptures, the more it resonates with me that there is an ideal person that is wonderful and perfect and amazing. And there's certain, you know, attributes or characteristics about that type of personality that we can develop and become ourselves. So I want you to think about like the most wonderful person in your life. It could be your grandma. It could be just a random person that you met on the street that you've always remembered. Like that person is amazing. One of the people in my life that I really, really idolize is a former mentor and employer of mine, Adam Durfee. And if he ever listens to this, he's probably going to shake his head and laugh a little bit that I I idolize him so much. But essentially, I think of him as a very great man because he has a very smart mind, in my opinion. The way he understands how the world works is astounding, and I always want to be more like him. He also has a very clear direction of vision that I would like to follow to the ends of the earth. I, I could not say any more about Adam Durfee. I love this guy so much. He's had a great impact on my life. I think of him as a wonderful person. And so I think he has certain attributes that I think are the the best way to go about. He doesn't have all of them. You know, I don't think any single person has all of the attributes that embody perfection, except for maybe Jesus Christ. That was just an example. In this chapter, it breaks down nine attributes or characteristics of Jesus Christ that embody perfection. And this is by no means a comprehensive list. This is just nine principles that the brethren in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints chose to focus on in the Preach My Gospel manual. I'm sure there's other principles and characteristics that could be you know, brought to light and developed for perfection. But for two years, I studied these nine attributes over and over and over and studied and thought and read the scripture about these nine attributes. And I believe that they are a foundational point to becoming a perfect person. And this is something that I focus on in my own life every single day. We can't go over all nine attributes in one episode. So I'm just going to talk about the first three, which are faith, hope, and charity. You've probably heard that before. So once upon a time, I was in an area on my mission in Mexico called Frontera, and I had a companion, Elis Sanchez, and we were walking about trying to do a work. As a missionary, our work was to find new people to teach about the gospel of Jesus Christ, give them some lessons, invite them to join the church, and that was our objective. Our objective at the end of the day was to find people who were interested in joining the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and baptizing them. That was our purpose. And so I had a need. I had a great desire to accomplish something, and I needed help. This was at a point in my life where I had a lot of like self-doubt, anxieties. 
I felt a lot of pressure from myself and from our leaders to perform and to find enough people, you know, and I was I was kind of stressed out. I needed help. And I had been learning about faith. I could choose to go about this work on my own or I can choose to involve the Lord and have him be on my team. And so that's what I did. I remember I was in our apartment during lunchtime when we should have been out like contacting people. I, we, we were back in my apartment and we were we just finished lunch and we needed to find a new investigator. And I decided to put faith to the test. We knelt down and I said a prayer to God and I asked him to please bless us with a new investigator, somebody that would be interested to hear about the gospel, somebody new, somebody we haven't met yet. And that's when I realized that those prayers will never get answered while on my knees. So I said, amen. I ended the prayer. I got off my knees. I walked out the door and I started looking. I started looking for the answer to that prayer. That to me is a prayer of faith. I finally got it. I finally understood. Faith is believing that something is going to happen even though you can't see it. You just know. You just believe. You just have this firm understanding that what you have just asked for Heavenly Father really wants to answer, so he will if you are looking for it. That day, I had so much faith, and I indeed found somebody. It wasn't more than an hour later that we were walking down the street. We talked to one of our neighbors who was a member of the church, and they introduced us to their husband, who was not a member. And he said, I would like to learn more about the church. And it was amazing. This is exactly what I was looking for. It was an answer to a prayer. And that's when I properly understood faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then prayers of faith. When you firmly believe that what you just asked for is in line with the will of God and you got off your knees and you went and you looked for it. My eyes were looking across the street. My eyes were looking, buscando. You know, I was looking, searching for that blessing that I had just prayed for, firmly believing that I would receive it. I always love using the scriptures to kind of back up my thoughts and principles about these attributes. So I'm going to read a scripture in the Book of Mormon and uh, in the Book of Alma talking about the principle of faith. And it says this, And now, as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if you have faith, you hope for things which are not seen, which are true. And that is the essence of faith. It is knowing that wind exists, but you can't see it with your eyes. You can feel it with your skin, right? You can feel it as it happens. And that's one way of describing it in an analogy, but on a more spiritual level. If you've ever studied about The Secret, there's a book and it was made into a short movie explaining the concept of sending out your desires into the universe and then willing it to come to you. Oftentimes people would send out the desire to make more money, to be plentiful, to be wealthy, and years later they would receive it back and they believed it was because of the willpower. I believe that is non-religious view on the exact same thing. It is belief in a higher power that is willing and wants to help you and is on your team. For me, I believe that is Jesus Christ and God. They are a higher being that can achieve miracles and they want to help us. So I love faith. I choose to live every day by faith. If I can't, it's scary to get up and then to pray for certain things and to go out and and fully expect these blessings to come because you can't exactly command God. You can't tell him what to do. So how can you go about having faith? It's terrifying. In fact, it reminds me of a story from a Disney movie called Onward. Have you ever seen that movie? There's one particular scene where they have to cross an enormous chasm. Apparently, using magic, they had to cross an invisible bridge. The main character had to keep his eyes closed 
and walk across this huge chasm where if it didn't work, he would plummet to his death. And when he took his first step, it actually worked because he believed that the bridge was there. But the thing is, he couldn't just assume that the bridge was there for the rest of it. Every single step had to be a belief and trust that something would be there to catch him. I think that's an excellent example of faith, to me at least. No one can see Jesus Christ. Physically, no one has seen him in thousands of years that I know of. I personally have not seen Jesus Christ. I have to believe in someone that I can't see, and that's Jesus Christ. I have to believe that he has got me, that he will catch me. And so I choose to keep his commandments. This is a good example. Remember back in a previous episode of the story of the woman with the blood disease? She had gone to every physician looking for a solution to her illness, and no one could do it. She had heard of this man named Jesus, who for some reason was healing people and performing miracles. She too had a belief in him that maybe he could heal her. And what did she do? She simply reached out and touched his robe. I love this example so much because it teaches me that what Jesus Christ asks me to do doesn't always correlate exactly with the needs I have. For example, I remember for years, I would be praying for a girlfriend, honestly, a companion. Life can be kind of lonely, and I, I am a hopeless romantic. I would go years and years looking for someone that I would want to be with and never really finding it. There would be moments where my roommate would come home saying, she said, yes, we're going to officially be boyfriend and girlfriend, and I would be so happy for him and then so lonely. There would be nights where I would spend time with my family uh, on Sunday evenings, and then I would leave to go back to my college dorm, and, and I would drive home alone kind of wishing that I had a companion. And that has been a strong desire for years. And I would pray to God asking for that sort of companion. It was funny because I had also gotten promptings that had absolutely nothing to do with dating. One of them being to start this podcast, which is kind of funny. I didn't think it had anything to do with dating until I met this girl. So I had started a podcast a month previously because I felt prompted to by God. And so I started sharing all my thoughts and beliefs about gospel principles, the lessons I've learned in my life. And I was doing that. That was a different purpose, completely separate from what I had been praying for, to, you know, to have a girlfriend until I had matched on this dating app with this girl named Karen. And it turned out that before our first date, she ended up listening to my podcast and was greatly influenced by it that she thought that she really liked me. And it turned out for the best because that first date was so important she was interested and then i became interested in her that it was the perfect time and place for us to meet and i'm happy to say that as time went on we ended up dating and we're currently dating right now fingers crossed that you know years down the road if i'm listening to this podcast things have gone pretty well between us but for right now we are still dating and i'm very very happy about that to me that is an answer to a prayer and I had done something, effectively touched the robes of Christ that had absolutely nothing to do with my previous prayers and hopes and, and desires. And God had answered those prayers in a bizarre turnabout way that I had never anticipated. To me, that is acting in faith. And God can perform miracles in our life if we choose to follow promptings that don't often make sense, that have absolutely nothing to do with the blessings that we're currently praying for. To me, that is faith. That is trusting in God that he loves me that he cares about me. He's on my team and I can trust him. An ideal man who wants to be perfect will throw himself on the Lord and trust in him, knowing that he will catch him and it will be okay. I love the principle of faith. And so I choose to use this principle and this characteristic all the time. I'm continually studying about it, learning about it, trying to apply it more into my life. And the more I do, the more blessings I get from that. 
So what are the results? You know, I, I mentioned blessings, right? To me, it means miracles. If we choose to have faith, we can expect miracles in our life, not before, after. After the trial of our faith come the blessings. Then the miracles happen. The blessings will arrive. They never come the other way around. Ooh, a miracle happened. Okay, I believe in Christ. That's not how it works. Faith is a principle of power. In fact, it says that in the Preach My Gospel manual. Faith is a principle of power. God works by power. But his power is usually exercised in response to faith. His works according to the faith. He works according to the faith of his children. Doubt and fear are opposed to faith. Now, I face a lot of doubt in my life. I face a lot of fear. And I am trying so hard. Whenever fear and doubt crop up in my life, I have to attack it with the complete opposite of what those things are. To doubt and to fear is to have anxiety about what might happen. Now, let me say that again. Fear and doubt are the opposite of faith in that I am afraid of what might happen. It is something that I cannot see in the future that I'm afraid might happen. Now, that is so similar to faith, but faith is completely separate because it is a belief in Christ that he has got me, that he will take care of me, that the best thing will happen. And I choose to live by faith. And that gives me so much power and so much faith and, and peace in my life. So that's the first principle. I would highly recommend that you go and study faith in the Preach My Gospel manual because it has some really good lines in there and also a lot of really good scriptures to back up those principles. But we're going to move on to the next principle of hope. I love hope. I think it is so, so important. I recently had a friend who had passed away very suddenly and uh, prematurely because of uh, his suicide, which is really, really sad. And nobody knew it was coming. And it was very shocking to a lot of me and my friends. And I, we were sad. We were very sad. I had to go back to this principle of hope. The perfect man, Christ, would be very hopeful in this situation. Why? It's because hope is patiently waiting for the promised blessings to arrive. I want to read a portion of the Preach My Gospel manual about hope in this context. Hope is an abiding trust that the Lord will fulfill his promises to you. Now, what promises are those? The Lord promises that we will live again. In the plan of salvation, it says that when we die, our spirit is separated from our body, but it is not the end. We also believe in a resurrection where our body and our spirit can be reunited and we can see each other again. Our families can be together forever. Those are a couple of promises that the Lord gives us. Hope is manifest in confidence, optimism, enthusiasm, and patient perseverance. Christ is is enthusiastic and Christ has patient perseverance. When you have hope, you work through trials and difficulties with the confidence and assurance that all things will work together for your good. Hope helps you conquer discouragement. The scriptures often describe hope in Jesus Christ as the assurance that you will inherit eternal life in the celestial kingdom. That is the ultimate hope, by the way. Whenever somebody says to you, get a life, that essentially means Get something that matters, that is worthwhile to you. And if you can achieve a life that is thriving, where you essentially get a life, you can have that for eternity. To me, having a meaningful life where I am an influence for others and I can feel inspired and loved and I can feel the light of God in my life every single day and be with my family, that is the best life I can possibly imagine. And God promises us that for eternity, eternal life, if we choose to go down his path. Having a hope is hoping to see that in the future. I absolutely love hope. So in the context of my friend who had 
departed prematurely. Although I'm sad, I have a hope that there are blessings coming and that she is going to be okay. Her family is going to be okay. We are going to see her again and all things work together for our good. I love hope. Continuing on with the principle of hope, one way that I like to imagine it is patiently waiting for the blessings of the Lord to arrive is kind of like an Amazon package. If you think about it, when we want something, we ask for it by clicking a button and requesting that it gets sent to our house. We, you know, buy it in exchange for money, and then we wait patiently for the package to arrive. The only difference in this analogy is we don't actually know when the delivery date is, and that's sometimes really hard for people. We like to know that it's going to arrive tomorrow or by the end of the weekend. When we pray for certain blessings, good blessings, faith or patience, uh, love or some relief from a trial that we're going through, these are all good things to pray for. We actually don't get to know when the delivery date is going to arrive. And that's where faith comes into the, the principle of hope. We have to just patiently wait for these blessings to arrive. Knowing that God's got our back, he's not trying to torture us. He does want to bless us, but he's got a higher vision than we do. And the blessings are going to arrive. So I really like that analogy for the principle of hope. Hope only works if you believe in God. Because, first of all, if you have hope, you have to believe that he loves you and he wants to help you. Second of all, hope only works if you believe that God answers prayers. Now, that's kind of hard for some of my friends because I feel like God doesn't answer their prayers. And to that, I don't really know what to say. In my life, I have felt that God does answer my prayers. He hasn't answered all of my prayers yet, but I still trust that he's going to answer them. And I talked about this in previous episodes that when God answers prayers, it's not often in the way that we expect, but it's always in the way that we truly need. And I trust him. I trust him as a, a father figure who knows better than me, who has more information than me, that has a higher view than me. There's a scripture that says his ways are not our ways. And I truly believe that. And I trust in him because I know he is my loving heavenly father. And so if we do those two things, believe he loves you and believes he answers prayers, we get to sit back and relax in his arms, knowing any trial or tribulation or deprived blessing will come to pass eventually. And that is the essence of hope. And I love that. I am always hopeful because I believe that God loves me. And I know that he loves you too. The way that hope is manifested is that we feel peace. I feel peace. I am not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of pain or hardship that happens to me in my lifetime. Even now, I'm going through some issues that I are very not pleasant, you know? But I have this constant warming hope that I know everything's going to be okay because of that belief in God. And you know what? I'm not afraid of failure because in the end, if I keep asking for help and success, which are good things to ask of God, I will accomplish it with the help of Christ. I believe in miracles and I believe that God wants to give me miracles if I have faith. And if I do... I can patiently wait for those miracles to arrive. The last principle I want to talk about today is charity and love, which is the most powerful of tools to taking over the world. Just kidding. Okay, not taking over the world, but it is one of the most powerful tools to influencing others, being powerful, unlocking relationships, and then, you know, quote unquote, getting what you truly want, but by sacrificing what you think you want. Let's dive in. I absolutely love this principle with all my heart. No pun intended, since we're talking about love. I'm going to read a portion of the Preach My Gospel manual, of course, talking about charity and love. What exactly is this principle? A man once asked Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus replied, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. 
thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, I don't want to get too much into the scripture because we could talk about it for a long time, but I love this because of the two commandments. The first one is to love the Lord thy God. When we truly love someone, we don't mind doing things for them. Think about it. Think about somebody you love. For me, it's my mom. She asks me to do something for her, and I don't really mind because I really love her a lot. I would do anything for her. So she asks me to sacrifice my time to come and take pictures of her family. I don't mind. I love her. Of course I would do it. That is the ultimate question that we all have to ask ourselves. Do we love God? Do we really? Because the more we love him, the more we're willing to sacrifice things and just obey our father. You know, it's a very important rule that you need to obey your father. Think about that. He is, in effect, our dad. And we all know the wisdom in listening to the advice of our dads and just obeying him, even if we don't understand everything he's saying. There's so much wisdom in that. If we really loved our heavenly father, we will obey him and he will bless us better than we could possibly understand if we choose to follow him and if we love him. And the second commandment is that you need to love your neighbor. And I love that too, because if we truly love each other, we don't mind doing things for each other. We're not selfish. We're selfless and we can find better opportunities when we choose to love one another. And this is the part that I, I'm going to explain in a bit about influencing others and finding new opportunities. I have learned for myself that when I choose to be charitable, I am much, much more successful personally. And it's a fine line to go between selfishness and being charitable. But seriously, when I am more charitable, I am much more successful in my personal life. And I'm going to explain that in just a second. I'm going to continue in the Preach My Gospel manual. Just going down the line, it says, Charity is the pure love of Christ. It includes God's eternal love for all of his children. We are to seek to develop that kind of love. When you are filled with charity, you obey God's commandments, just like I was talking about, and you do all you can to serve others and help them. One of the things that I really love in the Preach My Gospel manual is how we view other people. I'm going to skip down to where it says it right here. You will come to feel a sincere concern for the eternal welfare, eternal welfare and happiness of other people. You will see them as children of God with the potential of becoming like our heavenly father and you will labor in their behalf. Now picture with me just for a second that God really is our father and in many ways he really is a king. Now, in every sense of the word, how do you view a king? What does he wear on his head? He usually wears a crown. Am I right? What kind of clothes does he wear? He wears robes, something nice, something regal. And what do we call a king's children? Princes and princesses. And in a lot of the stories that we've heard, they are also very noble people with a lot of dignity and poise and a lot of honor and very, very special people that we hold to high standards. Now imagine with me that we really are the children of a king. Imagine with me that when you look around yourself and you see the people walking to and fro, that they really do have a crown on their heads as princes and princesses of a king. If we really imagine that and believe that just for a minute, how would we treat one another? Would we be more respectful? Would we be more kind? I remember it occurred to me when I was walking through campus in college that this principle really sank in for me. And that was at the opportunity where we were in between classes and hundreds of students were going between classes. And I just looked at each and every one of them. They looked so different. 
their hair looked different, their eyes looked different, their body types looked different, the way they talked, the way they walked, they're all so different, and yet they are all princes and princesses of a king. They all deserve love and respect and admiration. In that moment, I couldn't treat any of them as if they didn't matter. I couldn't treat any of them as if they had no worth because each one of them did. And when I talked to them, I was just so happy that I got to meet them as if they were a celebrity, which they really are. Each and every one of us are celebrities in the eyes of God. We're royalty. We're princes and princesses. Now, that's not to say we should be arrogant. It just means that each person is so, so special that whenever I meet them, I am honored that I get to meet them. Heavenly Father really thinks that we are amazing people. He thinks that you are amazing. You are a prince or a princess. And he wants to bless you. He gives you the attention that a king can only give to a prince and a princess. I'm just going to read the rest of uh, this section on charity. You will avoid negative feelings such as anger, envy, lust, or covetedness. You will avoid judging others, criticizing them, or saying negative things about them. You will try to understand them and their points of view. You will be patient with them and try to help them when they are struggling or discouraged. Charity, like faith, leads to action. You will develop more charity as you look for opportunities to serve others and give of yourself. Now, I could go for hours about the principle of charity and how we can unlock these relationships, but I basically want to end it just there about the way that we view other people as princes and princesses. I have learned for myself that when I choose to have a conversation with another person, that I genuinely try and listen to them and what they need. I try to empathize, understand where they're coming from, and I try and give them what they need, what they want. And I just love them. And I try and serve them as a good, you know, butler would to a lord <laughs> or a, a good servant would to a prince or a princess. It takes a lot of humility. But when I do that, I often learn that I unlock things that I might need for my own self. I've had many times where I go on my mission and I talk to somebody. I try and help them. They ask me to come over and start moving some furniture. And when I do, I am introduced to a second person who just happens to be helping move that furniture. And it turns out that they were looking for the missionaries and they wanted to learn more. It was a miracle. I, I moved myself from one location to a new location because of my desire to love and serve. And because I went to a new location, I was introduced to a second person that I was looking for. I'm convinced that when we choose to love and to put ourselves at the service of others, we are led to exactly where we need to be all the time. I am convinced that the more we serve, the more we are going to find greater opportunities that will bless ourselves than if we were to sit at home in a room and just quietly wait for blessings to come to our front door. The more we serve, the more locations we find ourselves. I love that my dad had gone on a trip to Guatemala to help do service and humanitarian aid. And there he learned the great lesson of being disconnected from cell phones and from technology. He worked for weeks helping and being present and mindful with the people around him. He never would have understood that if he had gone to a seminar in Texas at a really nice conference room talking about the importance of getting off your phones as they explained it on a big keynote presentation. It's just not the same. I'm convinced that when we have charity, we choose to act. And when we act, we move. And when we move to new locations, we are putting ourselves in a new opportunity 
that can bless us. I absolutely love all of these principles, especially charity and love. I'm just going to wrap up this episode by recapping all the big takeaways of the three principles that we talked about today. Essentially, if you choose to live as a man of faith, that means that you walk on air. It means that you trust in a higher power and that you can see miracles in your life. To me, that's the best way to live, to believe, to trust, and to lean on somebody of greater power. Living as a man of hope means being at peace, knowing the promised blessings are coming, just like an Amazon package. I truly can be at peace and trust that everything's gonna be okay. Everything is going to be okay. That is hope. And finally, living as a man of love means treating people differently and seeing opportunities and going to new opportunities where you yourself could be blessed in better ways than you could possibly imagine. My friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. I love these principles and I'm very excited to talk about the final six principles and attributes of Christ in this chapter. I cannot tell you enough. Please go and read the Preach My Gospel manual for yourself. Study the scriptures that are in there. It will lighten your life. It will bring so much joy and satisfaction and rightness to your life if you choose to study these principles. It has defined my life. It's how I structure my world and my thoughts. And I really do believe that we can all be awesome if we choose to follow these principles. I can't wait to talk to you next time and have a fantastic day.